welcome to the Time Shifters podcast. I'm your host, Christopher. This podcast takes a fun look at the films of long past, recent past, and the almost present, as well as the events and news surrounding them. I would love to hear from you, and there are several ways to get in touch with the show. Look for the Time Shifters podcast group on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Time Shifters Pod, or you can send us a typed or recorded message to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and please check us and our fellow podcasters out over on podchaser.com. Please rate and review the show at any of these outlets. All these links can be found on timeshifterspodcast.com. Now let's head to the Timeshifter studio and start the show. Everyone, welcome back to the show. This is Christopher. I'm once again joined by Tom. Tom, how you doing? Good. How are you, sir? Not too bad. Not too bad. Also on the line, we have Floyd. Floyd, welcome back. Thank you. It's great to be here. For our third and final, well, final <laughs> for now in yeah, our uh, Kurt Russell year. series. This is our brief Floyd trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a beer called Three Floyds, a brewing company called Three Floyds, so... Really? Oh, that's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, there is. Uh, I don't remember you sending that in the mail so that we could enjoy <laughs> that for this particular uh, conversation. I should have done that. Yeah, we should have had some. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me once again. We have got some news stories, and we got to start out, and we'll just start out with the probably the worst one. Uh, this is this one really just knocked me for a loop when it happened. Uh, by the time everyone hears this, it was a month ago, but we haven't had a chance to talk about it on the show. Chadwick Boseman, you know, star of Black Panther most recently, passed away at the young age. I think he was only 43 years old. Uh, colon cancer. He's been fighting it apparently for the last four years or so. An amazing actor has played, I think, uh, let's see, he played um, James Brown. In 2014's Get On Up, he played Jackie Robinson in 2013's 42. And like I said, most recently in uh, Black Panther, he was T'Challa. You know, what can you say? This guy was taken way before his time. This was one of those actors that I think we would have been seeing on the screen for the next 20, 30, 40 years. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I, yeah. This is a man that had uh, like Morgan Freeman potential. He just would be in everything all the time um, and just a really, really charismatic guy. Uh, this one set me back, too, because uh, like many people, didn't even know he was sick. No, apparently he kept it very close to the close to the vest. He, uh, you know, the people that needed to know knew, but otherwise he didn't discuss it with anybody. Uh, he, like I said, he'd been he'd been fighting this for years. So he's been filming. He's been working on films in between surgeries and chemo treatments, and still going to work. Well, and that shows him that that shows a lot of love and dedication to his craft. Yeah, well, absolutely. And the fact that he, I mean, this was a man who was determined that this wasn't going to beat him because he was going right. like, "Hey, screw this! I'll go to the treatments and everything, but I'm getting on with my life because this is how I want to live." It's just one of those really, really damn shames. When you hear an actor, it seemed, I felt the same way when um, Anton Yeltsin felt the same way about him. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, that is just so wrong. Because, again, he would have yeah. been an actor that we have, would have been watching for the next 50 years. And that was an accident. Oh, and that was a freak accident, too. Yeah. yeah. 
thought that was interesting with uh, the Black Panther was that uh, when AMC reopened, they were doing playing some old move or movies, and the only Marvel one they played was Black Panther. Yeah, and that was before he pat before uh, he died. Oh, really? When, yeah, when, when they when they did that, and my wife and I were going to go, we're going to go see it in the theater, but something came up and we weren't able to make it. Mm. But because uh, that's uh, that's like her favorite Marvel movie. Oh, it's a good Marvel movie. I I enjoyed the heck out of that. No, that 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 was a solid entry, and it was just a. It was a it was an amazing story, and it's not one that most people know. So, uh, oh yeah, for a lot of people, this was your first entry into the world of of, of Black Panther, and right. yeah. But it doesn't have to be your last. I don't know if you guys heard about this. Comicsology has released about two hundred issues of Black Panther comics for free. That you can go read oh. uh, digital comics dating all the way back to the 70s to even some of the more modern books, you know, just random selections, a couple storylines or whatever. You can go and download them, or not download them, but you can, uh, quote-unquote, buy them. They're all free, and they'll be on Comixology uh, for you to to read on your uh, iPad or computer or, you know, mobile device. Uh, I think that's really awesome. So that's a great way to kind of, if you didn't know about Black Panther or know much about Black Panther until that film, great way to go back and find out what you've been missing. I went through and I, I went ahead and bought all 200 of them. <laughs> I don't know oh, how wow. many I'll actually I'll read. <laughs> well, there's some dedication. <laughs> I'll have to do that. I mean, get them while they're free. Yeah, exactly. I mean, why not? Talking about the, you know, the Marvel Universe and Black Panther, there was going to be a second Black Panther film and now that's kind of up in the air. There's a big fan movement though to actually acknowledge the death and effectively kill T'Challa and have the Black Panther mantle passed down to his sister, which yes. I think mm. would be yeah. incredible. I, I, I was hoping that that's what they would do as opposed to... Recast? Yeah, recasting. Would that it'd be passed on to... I was thinking a son, but a sister? A sister? Yeah, that would be a... I don't think he... That's not obviously with these many years from now, uh, but uh, but yeah, his sister. I think it's a great idea. Yes, well, apparently that's what happened in, in the books at, at one point. So it would oh. be following Black Panther uh, lore. So yeah, but I, I think that'd just be a, a fantastic idea because I absolutely loved her character in Black Panther. So it was like more opportunity yeah, to see she, her on the screen. Oh yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, Shuri was amazing. So mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah, uh, extremely sad news. Um, yeah, we'll see what Marvel does. I I really hope they don't recast because yeah. I, I think it was one of those things where lightning in a bottle. You know, you found just the right person for just the right character, and it's nothing. No one else is ever going to be able to fill that shoe. I feel a little bit the same way about uh, Hugh Jackman and Wolverine. You know, they're talking. He doesn't want to do Wolverine anymore. Marvel um, wants to do more Wolverine, so they're talking about recasting a new Wolverine. I'm thinking, not going to work. <laughs> it's just not going to work. Yeah. Well, in Marvel's case, I think they're looking for the entry point to add X-Men into the MCU. Right. So, um, so if you had to have a spot to, to get a different Wolverine, this would be it. Right. Uh, no, I understand But the that. Sony films... That that line is done, and uh, and uh, 
and yes, no, getting anybody other than Hugh Jackman for that line would never, ever work. Yeah. You know, I only I just recently finally watched Logan. Oh, that's actually the best one of the bunch. <laughs> yeah. Well, as far as acting goes, amazing job by Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart. The action, the action and everything is all really cool and the story's fine, but the, the, the acting between those two and, yeah, you completely buy into their characters uh, at every step. And it's just, it's just an amazing, amazing film just on that alone. Absolutely. No, that, that was that one. I, it's funny, though, uh, after having seen it, that's one of those ones I have a hard time revisiting it for some reason. If you revisit something, you typically want something light and fun and, you know, you're going to enjoy yourself. Eh, that That's not that, that movie. That is not. No. And, and, and I think you've hit the nail on the head it is as amazing a job as that was, and especially in the comic book genre. I mean, this was a this was a fairly heavy, very serious uh, film for that kind of thing. And yeah, it, 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 there's not a lot of high notes. No, in it. So, yeah, I think it's probably hits a little on the depressing side. I think um, I think I would watch it again if someone came along that hadn't seen it and had right. been, like had caught up. He they had watched all the others or they were in the process of watching all the others. It'd be like, oh, I'll sit down and watch Logan with you. Um, that what that would be a, an opportunity for me where I'd sit down and rewatch that one. But otherwise, yeah, it's not going to be a go-to for just, <laughs> Oh, I got a couple hours. Let's watch Logan. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the sit down popcorn movie. <laughs> no. And there, that movie too. And there's darker elements that are just under the surface that they don't address. But the idea that the adamantium that was injected into him has finally, you know, it's poisoning him. That's what he's dying from. Right. And now we've got a new character, this young, you know, his daughter, who also they, they've injected the, so the, the anti anti can't say that word two times twice. <laughs> She's been injected now with it. So it's like, oh, we know what her fate is. I mean, it may not be for 150 years or something, but we know what her fate is. I'm like, God, that's, that's dark. These people are evil. <laughs> Well, and actually, if you uh, if you track the Mar the uh, Sony versions, essentially Wolverine's been alive since probably the eighteen hundreds sometime, and didn't get his adamantium till the the uh, the latter part of the twentieth century, mm. if not into the two thousands. By the right. way, the movies right. went. If that's the timeline, the and adamantium is killing him. Her lifespan is actually very short. Right, yeah. So she she may not even she she might make it to middle aged or maybe she might live back, well, actually a normal lifespan right. for the most people. Mm -hmm. Maybe. <laughs> Given her career choices. Right. <laughs> yeah, depending on the yeah, depending on how how much she abuses herself, uh like he was. Well that was a hell of a segue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, real quick, just on since we're talking about the uh, the comic book movies and everything too, I don't think I've mentioned this before. Uh, speaking of DC, or not speaking of DC, but jumping over to DC, I finally also watched um, Birds of Prey or the Emancipation of Harley Quinn. Actually, that, watched that a couple of nights for the first a couple of nights ago. I caught it for the first time too. That's a fun film. I had a blast. It's 
definitely different. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it, it, it's a lot of fun, but I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I got quickly worn out on the Harley Quinn character. Mm, really? It's kind of like too much of a good thing. Gotcha. You just mean in the film and just that film? Yeah. In and just, yeah. And especially since the film is named birds of prey and the birds of prey are barely in the movie. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I had a good time with it. I, I do understand that by the end, maybe it, you could say it would starts wearing a little thin, but I, I still had a blast with it. And I remember a news story about a month ago or so that, I think the director of Birds of Prey and Margot Robbie are talking about doing a Tank Girl reboot with Margot Robbie being Tank Girl. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that sounds really good. But now that I've seen Birds of Prey, it's kind of like, I feel like I've seen that movie now. I don't want to see it again. Right. <laughs> this this Harley Quinn is Tank Girl. And not to make this conversation about that particular movie, since that's not what we're discussing today. Um, but... Uh, just to kind of carry along the thought, I found Birds of Prey interesting because it wanted it it went out of its way to divorce itself from some of the lesser parts of the DC universe, like Joker. Jared Leto's uh, Joker. Any any depictions of Joker, like, and they were all like drawings and stuff. They're all classic uh, versions of Joker, not the Jared Leto version. And any sense of the Bat community is almost not discussed. I don't even think it was discussed at all. I don't think it came I up. Think some, there's and, some reference to, to Wayne. But it's, it's like, it's one line and it's, yeah. There, uh, she named the hyena Bruce. Um, and I did love the entrance of uh, of the hyena for Harley because that is a very Harley thing. Um, but uh, and that dates back to the original Harley from the animated series. Um, so that that was awesome. But yeah, I, we we almost need to maybe revisit this as one of our talks sometime. Uh, that would be fine with me because I would I, I would be very willing. Unlike Logan. I'd be willing to watch uh, Birds of Prey anytime. Right, yeah. No, I, I enjoyed it well enough. I would happily sit down and actually give it another shot again. All right, so enough of the comic book talk. Well, actually not, because this <laughs> was... I just saw this news story just came out just recently. AMC has announced that the 11th season of The Walking Dead will officially end the series. Oh, it's about time. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I, I, I kind of had to give up on that series uh, a few seasons ago. Yeah, I, I did too. <laughs> this is the same conversation we were just having about Logan and why you don't rewatch Logan so much because it's just so heavy and it's, there's nothing happy. that and, and so it's hard to put yourself in the position to rewatch that. And the Walking Dead has been season after season of misery and terror. <laughs> Aside from the fact that, yes, there's zombies, it's absolutely miserable that the living are worse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, like, the living are far more dangerous than the dead. I 
gave it a I gave it a few more seasons than a lot of people did uh, that I know. I watched yeah. up to I don't know what number it was, but um, I watched up through at some point. What was it? Negan. Negan. They had their big war with Negan, but at the end of the season, it's still Negan was still around, and the war wasn't even really over. And it's like, all right, to hell with this. I'm done. <laughs> this has already been dragging on for like two years. No more. I am. I'm. You're, I'm done with you. Yeah, uh, I did the first season with Negan, and I actually kind of like the Negan character. But yeah, the sheer desperation of the series, the the fact that nothing nothing positive ever happens in this show ever became just soul crushing after a while. I mean, the, the death of Glenn alone and the way that they depicted that was so horrific. And that I'll admit, uh, that was kind of a scarring moment. That was kudos to the effects team. Oh yeah. But, but, and to the actor for going through, what had to have gone, he had to have <laughs> endured to even pull off his death. But still, that was a little gut-wrenching. And then from there, I'm like, nothing happy is ever going to happen for any of these people. Nope. Uh, for me, I, I, I just found it uh, you know, with Negan when uh, when Rick does the uh, the stupid countdown thing instead of shooting him the end of the season allowing Negan to get away and then Negan gets away and then he says to the other uh, saviors uh, we're going to war I thought okay I'm done (laughs) (laughs) the only reason I stuck with it that season was to see Negan get it at the end and he didn't yeah and 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 the series became boring because it was I mean how exciting is survival they don't have a goal their only goal is survival so they they uh, find a place to live. Something happens, they have to move. They find a place to live. Something happens, they have to move. A they find a place to live. Something happens, they have to move. Wash, rinse, repeat. Yeah, I, I just got bored with it. Yeah. So I wasn't even, even though my DVR was set up to record the next season, I wasn't even tempted to watch another episode. I would look at the, the I would look at the descriptions and, and it was like, uh, oh, well. Oh, a new threat. Okay, I guess it's gonna be some new, some new strange people, and uh, or um, the description would say Negan this, Negan that, and nothing sparked my interest at all. Nope, so nope. I stopped. No, like I said, when I when I decided the season finale came, that should have been ended the whole thing with the saviors and all that stuff, and it didn't. I was like, nope, that's it. Yep. I deleted it off the DVR, and I never looked back. Never. Yep. I haven't missed it. They, uh, I, I think there's motivation. There is a new series coming literally, uh, this fall from the Walking Dead franchise, uh, called The World Beyond. Okay. And I think that's what, yeah, they need the old series to get out of the way of the younger ones. I don't know if they're still continuing the prequel one. Oh, um, Fear the Walking Dead or? Fear the Walking Dead, yeah. Um, I I watched one season of that and I was kind of bored of it already. I watched a few episodes of that and I got bored of that already. There wasn't a single character on there that 
there was like one character that I liked that that I and he's the one that died, kind of thing. <laughs> but yeah, no. So that one couldn't get me. And besides, you already got one zombie show. How many zombies shows do you need in your life? Um, and but no, the. I'm tempted to give this one a shot because this is supposed to take what has come before, put a little distance on it so that there are portions of the world that have managed to learn how to function and move on. And well, somehow of course, zombies will still be a factor in this, but, uh, um, but yes, the, the, the idea is this is supposed to be when, there is a possible way to live and not live in horror the whole time. Yeah. Now, this is something the early seasons of Walking Dead, uh, we loved on the show at the time. Uh, Steve and I, the host at the time, uh, Steve and I would have do special Walking Dead episodes where we just discussed that week's Walking Dead. Right. And mm-hmm. we loved what was happening. We went into deep discussions about how this world could turn and how they, you know, this is something that's going to happen that they have to live with and how society could kind of adapt and, and create sort of like um, like ceremony sort of around, you know, death would be different. Instead of, you know, when someone dies, it just becomes natural that you drive a spike into the back of their head. I mean, it's not something that right. has to be violent. It can be something that's can yeah, be the, surgical. And the human ritual of death would have to change. Exactly. We even thought that, you know, Carl was the one that, you know, is going to be the one that mm-hmm. when it's this new world, someone like Carl wouldn't be able to live in it because he was effectively raised in a world of nothing but survival and violence. He would never be able to uh, survive in a uh, civilized society. And we thought right. how interesting of the story that would be. And it never, the series never, ever, ever tried to explore any of that. And I think that's why we just, uh, that's certainly why I just got, all right, I'm, I'm bored. If you're just going to, yeah, yep. like Floyd was saying, wash, rinse, repeat <laughs> over and over every year. I feel like I've already seen this. If I right. want to watch reruns, I'll watch reruns. <laughs> the most hey. interesting thing in the series to me was when the first season, when they were trying to get to the CDC, to try to find some answers. Yeah, yeah. Then after that, it just became just trying to survive. Yes. Or 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 when uh, what's his name the uh, the guy who was supposedly trying to get to Washington, he turned out lying, being a liar anyway. Right. He was the uh, doctor, the scientist, or whatever, and he was trying to get to Washington supposedly to because he had a cure or was over for a cure, and then turned out he was lying anyway. Right. Yeah, almost forgot about that. That's true. Felt cheated there. <laughs> Thought they got a goal. You know, they got a goal besides just survival. Nope. Segue from the Walking uh, from the Walking Dead because uh, this woman actually appeared in like a mid series uh, for a few seasons and now stars on uh, Star Trek Discovery as the Michael Burnham character, which is the one character in Star Trek Discovery that I don't like. Uh, anyway, season three, the, the season three trailer was just released. If you had a chance to watch this, I haven't I have actually not. caught that one yet. Oh, okay. Well, break it down for me. Well, I'm not, I, I tell you what, what did you think of Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda? Not, 
much. <laughs> well, you're probably not going to like season three of Discovery. <laughs> I like I liked Andromeda, except for the last season of it. I, I like, like the idea. Season. I'll admit, I like the idea yeah. of Andromeda. Uh, I don't know how well it pulled it off. Maybe Discovery will do a better job. But yes, I was disappointed pretty early on to see that Michael Burnham is alive and well. <laughs> well, they did build I, the know, series around her. <laughs> Chris, we've had you know disagreements about Discovery, but I will agree with you there that she is my least favorite character as well. She's the least interesting <laughs> on this series. Yes, she is. Every, everyone else is more interesting than her. I will watch a series about any one of those characters on their own, other than her. She's a character that just feels forced. The Enterprise. Yeah, I want it. I want that series. Oh yeah, definitely want to see the uh, the the Spock uh, Pike uh, number one yeah. series. Yeah, I, I, I hope that actually materializes because that would be yeah, very interesting. And we can all hope for a like a Saru spinoff at some point. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I like Saru. Him and Ensign Tilly, put them in a series oh, together. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that would be great. <laughs> Again, without having seen the trailer, as I understand it, they have been propelled into the future and beyond any of the years of Star Trek that we have to date. Yeah, there's some time in the, you know, the year 3000 something. And I don't know how to feel about that. I feel like that could be interesting ground to cover, but I fear with the way Discovery's been a little just spotty. Yes, it has. All the way around. And I fear the notion of that setting canon for for Mm. for the years beyond. <laughs> well, the series, you don't get a whole lot of information, but you do get the idea that, that by the time they've, you know, the century that in which they find themselves, the Federation has effectively fallen apart. Okay. And the universe, I guess, is just pretty much just a no man's a land. A free-for-all. A free-for-all, <laughs> exactly. It does sound like a drama, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they do pop up a few... Um, there's quick flashes, kind of like fan service flashes of some alien species. You're pretty sure you see a trill. Mm. Uh, you definitely see an Andorian. See, with where we are, with where we are in the world right now, the notion of um, of Star Trek going essentially post-apocalyptic. Yeah, it's the last just, thing you want, isn't it? Kind of really hurts my heart. Yeah, you really want the sort of. Uh, the hopeful, bright and shiny yeah. future Star Trek. Yeah, like, mm. like even though, uh, like the Picard series, even though they 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 went into a dark period, uh, but I mean, there was still some light in that. You saw hope in the stuff that happened during the the Picard series, and um, with a bit of an edge to it. Yes, but. But it was still it was Star Trek. It it, it it gave you some some of that feeling that uh, there is, humanity is salvageable. <laughs> yes, and and it doesn't sound like Discovery is going to take us down a salvageable kind of road. <laughs> well, and it's something you mentioned too: the fact that Discovery has been, to put it mildly, spotty. There has been some. There have been some decent episodes and some mm-hmm. interesting stories but not all of it and so you take on this idea it's like i don't know if you're the series 
to handle something like this. Right. Yeah, because you want to... You're like, okay, so let's say even um, way, way, way down the road, they've propelled themselves into this future. Um, and, and again, uh, this is all conjecture. I haven't watched the trailer. I obviously haven't seen what third season's going to look like. But, I mean, knowing what I know of Discovery, even if they were propelled so far into a future where things have fallen apart, this is not the crew to pull it back together. <laughs> <laughs> no. This is not the shining hope, the beacon to go, hey, guys, we can redo it the way that we were doing it, and it was awesome, and that won't work. <laughs> I'm curious to see how they pull off the fact that, you know, they're in the Discovery, which is, albeit advanced for the time, is still, like, pre-Kirk. So... right. A thousand years into the future, they're way they're out in a of horse, everything. Yeah, yeah. No, they're in a horse-drawn buggy. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and everyone else is in got is got Bugattis or something. Uh. Right. Well, uh, but I mean, if that uh, if they're justifying their existence in this timeline by the fact that uh, everything's kind of falling apart, then maybe technological advances have fallen away due to various other things so lost technologies or something and yeah yeah lost focus lost drive so and but we're getting away from ex- exploration which was always the thing that was fun about star trek yeah well that's what they've they claim the showrunners and everything claim that that's what it this is going to be getting back to between this and the the Pike series, if it happens, is going to be more about the exploration. So fingers crossed. Well, we'll good. see. Hopefully, they will. Yeah. Uh, and because we're on this topic, I, I, I have to say I have been keeping up with all of the episodes um, for Lower Decks. I I just love it each and every time I watch right, it. Good. I. But it is so much fun, and it is that beacon of hope. <laughs> It is right. what you liked about Star Trek. It's just the sillier side of it. it, it <laughs> it's so much fun. Good, good. <laughs> well, the other trailer that I saw that just came out is the official trailer for the new Dune movie. If you guys interesting have... choice of music for the trailer. It's a Pink Floyd song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Pink Floyd was a definitely an interesting choice. How to watch that? Yeah, there's some bits about the trailer. I'm guessing it's just the trailer. I'm guessing they just did this for the sake of putting it in a trailer, so giving people something to they can relate to. Because they, the trailer, for most of the trailer, feels like a shot-for-shot remake of the original <laughs> of Dune. Of the original Dune. Yeah. yeah. There's so many scenes that are like just lifted right out of... You know, well, obviously it's based on a book, so maybe maybe the first Dune was this just that much better of an a- adaptation than I had thought. <laughs> that's what they're going for on this one too. But it's like, well, if you're just going to do the same things, <laughs> yeah, if you're going to rehash the whole thing, I mean, right down to uh, God, and I can uh, I can picture scene for scene everything that they showed in the trailer against what I remember from from the original movie and not like the sci-fi remake. No, no, no. Uh, I'm talking about, yeah, the original big, yeah, the original one. Um, but like, uh, Dino De Laurentiis film. Yes. That's the one. 
Yes. Um, but yeah, like the, the needle in the neck while he has to stick his hand, hand in the pain box and uh, the, the fight scene with, uh, oh, I'm blanking on the characters because it's been a while, but uh, uh, the, yeah, the fight scene between Paul and uh, his one uh, mentor uh, in the oh. Ray Shield uh, right, yeah. suits. Well, Ernie. Gurney, Gurney Halleck. Yeah, I like I said, played by Patrick Stewart, wasn't he? Yeah, it was. But like I said, this is an adaptation from a, from a novel, so there are things that are, obviously that are in the novel that you have to have in the movies, and so maybe right. these are just those things. But it just it just feels so much like the other film, down to like the timing. It just it feels like you could play either scene on top of the other. And the beats would all match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they won't do the uh, the whole inner monologue things. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't see yeah, that in the trailer, so. They, they didn't get into it there, but I doubt that made trailer material the first time around either. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> when I saw Dune in the theaters, it was the only movie I've ever seen where you walk in and they had you, handed you a sheet of paper that told you what the different terms meant, <laughs> the different words you're going to be hearing in the movie. <laughs> really? Nice. They gave you a little yeah. interesting. A little cheat sheet. A cribbage yeah. sheet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The cliff notes? <laughs> like a Dom Jabbar and, you know, and all, all those things. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, now, I, I have to say, honestly, I liked the first Dune movie, and I like the full-length version of the Dune movie because uh, I would go out of my way to watch the uh, the full, like, three-hour cut or mm-hmm. whatever it was because I actually enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, I, I recognize that some of the uh, acting and such was a little over the top, but... Uh, I, I enjoyed that, so I'm kind of looking forward to this. I want to see if, because uh, I know it didn't do well um, <laughs> the first time around. Right. So I'm curious how this will fare, given all that. Yeah, no, it, it is enough. The trailer is enough to intrigue me. And it's certainly, as far as effects go and everything like that, it looks pretty impressive. So. Yeah. Not that the first one was really lacking. There was only a few moments, I think, in the first one that you might actually say are dated. But otherwise, I think it's still really impressive. It, yeah, no, I mean, uh, the, the the sandworm stuff, uh, uh, oh, especially yeah. when they're all gathering by the side of them trying to ride them. Yeah, I, 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 all those effects still hold up really well. Yes, it'll be very interesting to see what this film does, this new one. But that's all the news stories I had. Floyd, you mentioned something before we started recording that you wanted to bring up. Uh, yes, uh, just a little bit of a Space 1999. You know, I kind of like that show a little bit. Just a little, uh, yeah. We, I <laughs> just think a little, we, just a little, yeah. I've heard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, a year ago, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of Big Finish. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they do audio dramas, a lot of Doctor Who stuff, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, but uh, a year ago, they released a retelling of Breakaway, 
uh, the pilot episode of Space 1999. Oh, cool. So they released a right. two-hour audio drama, and uh, kind of mo- they still kept it in 1999, <laughs> but they modernized <laughs> the story, and uh, and the moon instead of getting blasted out of war by nuclear waste, actually wormhole is created. That's how it uh, gets drawn out of Earth's orbit. And so since it's been a year, they said that if their cells were good, they would produce more. And it's been a year, and I thought, okay, well, I guess they aren't going to produce any. Well, I found a story today where they have committed to producing three more audio dramas next year. Oh, nice. be releasing them next year. Very yeah. cool. Continuing with continuing on with the story they started. So I'm excited about that. Now, do you know if I don't know about the the first uh, the first audio drama? Did they or any of these new ones? Have you heard anything about any of the surviving cast members uh, reprising their roles or? Yes, what was mentioned in what I read is the, the guy who played Commander Koenig will reprise his ro- role. And uh, that was the one they mentioned specific. But hopefully the others will come back and and uh, do their role so they can so the voices will be consistent. Don't want to, you know, uh, jinx them or anything like that, but I didn't realize Martin Landau was still with us. <laughs> I honestly thought he had passed away. The guy who played him in the audio drama. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> That's what I meant. Not okay. Martin Landau. Martin Landau <laughs> cannot still be with us. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, the ones who came back in the in the audio drama. There oh, was no, the no, original no, cast I, I was wondering if any of the original cast members oh, okay. I'm from the show no. No. that might be surviving no, they, cast. Not, yeah, okay. yeah, none of them were in the audio drama. I mean, whether or not they may come back and make a cameo. In the new series, I have no idea. Okay, okay, I was just curious. Well, I'm glad it's Big Finish too. Big Finish does an awesome job with their. Oh, it was, it was fantastic. I yeah. have not listened to a lot of them, but the few that I have, I've really enjoyed. They really pull out the stops and do some really cool stuff. It's just, um, I'd love to listen to more. It's more of a, a price point kind of thing for me. Is mm-hmm. like I, I can't afford. To, to buy a, a, as many of them as I want. Because I know they've done lots of Doctor yeah. Who. They've done Sapphire and Steel. Uh, they've done um, uh, Blake mm-hmm. 7. I mean, they, so, yep. yeah, I'd absolutely love to listen to just all of them. But it's like, I can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> Got to draw a line somewhere. Uh, I need to start actually seeing if I can dig them up. They're a little difficult to try to track and make sure you're getting them, but um, I need to say, try to see if I can get any from the library, I suppose. Well, I have a uh, a CD of uh, Breakaway if you want to borrow it sometime. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Give it a listen. Yep. Yeah, I would be very interested to, to, to hear that. Well, any other news, Tom? Did you have anything else, or was that pretty much all... No, actually, uh, yeah, you beat me to pretty much all of them. Gotcha. <laughs> all right, awesome. I was all over the Dune one. I was. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's go ahead and take a break. We'll play a promo for another podcast. And when we get back, we'll talk about, I think it was 1981's Escape from New York. Have you ever been reading through a stack of comics and thought, maybe I should see what the Sarkham Asylum game is all about? 
or been playing Marvel vs. Capcom and felt like you were at a real disadvantage since you didn't know who half the characters were. Well, Play Comics is the show for you. I'm Chris, and each episode we take a look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material. So whether you know the comics and want to know how all these games work, or you know the games and want to find out where all this craziness came from, go check out Play Comics at playcomics.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Nineteen eighty-eight. The crime rate in the United States rises four hundred percent. Nineteen ninety-one. The United States police force is formed. Nineteen ninety-seven. New York City is a walled maximum security prison. John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Kurt Russell. Lee Van Cleef. Ernest Borgnine. Donald Pleasance. Isaac Hayes. Season Hubley. Harry Dean Stanton as Brain. Adrian Barbeau as Maggie. John Carpenter's Escape from New York. The ultimate adventure of escape and survival. In the future year of 1997, the entire island of Manhattan is now a maximum security prison with one rule. You go in, you don't come out. When the president of the United States' plane, en route to a World Peace Conference, is hijacked and crashed into Manhattan, former Special Forces soldier turned criminal, Snake Plissken, is a quote-unquote recruited to go in and bring him and his important tape recording out. He has 24 hours to do it before a bomb implanted in his body explodes. If he succeeds, his life will not only be spared, but he'll receive a full pardon of all his crimes. The clock is ticking. Now, we've got an awesome cast in this movie. Kurt Russell, obviously, <laughs> as Snake Bliskin. We get Lee Van Cleef as Bob Hawk. Uh, people will recognize Lee Van Cleef Depending on how old you are <laughs> and what your yeah. favorite genres, you might recognize him from some old westerns. You mm-hmm. might recognize him from a really bad 80s uh, uh, action drama called The Master. <laughs> you might recognize him from a uh, questionable quality, I don't think is as bad as they say it is, a sci-fi film. A, sci-fi, a 60s sci-fi film, uh, It Conquered the World. So depending on who you are and how old you are, you'll know Lee Van Cleef. We've also got Ernest Borgnine. Also, always awesome to see him. Donald oh, Pleasance yeah. is the yeah. President of the United States. Yeah. We got Isaac Hayes as the Duke of New York. We get to see Harry Dean Stanton <laughs> as Brain. Uh, Adrian Barbeau as Maggie and Tom Atkins and 
such a small role for Tom Atkins. I was like amazed that it was like, wait, are you sure it's yeah. the Tom Atkins? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he managed to still play about the same to- uh, character that he does that, in that, a lot of films. That's true. <laughs> he was probably actually filming yeah. one of his other movies where he's like, Tom, kick your ass Atkins or something. He was just popping in every now and again to say a line or two here. This is a film, unlike many of the others we've discussed, actually did really well in the box office. With an estimated budget of only about $6 million, it grossed over twenty-five. This was actually a hit. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were bound to catch one eventually. <laughs> this I didn't realize. Kurt Russell, prior to this, had really only done one you know, sort of grown-up, other grown-up film uh, called Used Cars. Prior to this, he'd done some TV spots and some Disney films. This this was him really trying hard to like, okay, I want to shake off this Disney stuff. <laughs> he really pushed hard. He like really, really wanted this role because it was so different from everything else that he had done in the past. Uh, and it was effective, too. Everything we've watched over the past uh, two shows... Um, were born out of him doing this character. Oh, yeah, and, and the, all the films that we haven't discussed. Right. <laughs> as well. Now, I've been dying to talk to Floyd about this because he dropped the bombshell last episode <laughs> that he had never watched I'm, this film I've never seen it before. So now that you have, Floyd, I have to ask you, I have to start with you. What did you think? Actually, it was actually my least favorite of the three that we have uh, talked about. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. And why? Yeah. Well, I thought it was really cheesy, really campy. Um, it well, kind of lost it for 80s. me with. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. Kind of lost it for me with the uh, the person who hijacked the uh, the president's plane. Oh my gosh, the acting and the dialogue was just terrible. <laughs> with what she was saying, lost you early, huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, it was it was just terrible. And I think uh, I want to watch it again, knowing that that happens. So sometimes, I, sometimes when I watch a movie and I get taken out early because of something like that happening, it kind of just tunes me out for the rest of the film. Um, mm. So I do want to watch it again, but the fast rest of forward it, to after the plane crashes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, let's face it, the uh, this uh, the Kurt Russell character, Snake Pliskin, doesn't actually get started till then anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, the most you've seen of, of him at that point is he's let off the bus. <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. I did think, I did find the, uh, I thought the, uh, as people were coming into the prison, the, the lady voiceover thing, when she said something about, uh, if you prefer... Uh, to be cremated, please tell your... <laughs> just very oh, yeah. <laughs> just... If you elect for termination yeah. rather than imprisonment, yeah, yeah. <laughs> please let you please let the officer know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and said so pleasantly. And <laughs> But for me, the movie was just okay. So I was really surprised when I got on Wikipedia and I was like, wow, it has 85% approval, 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm thinking, hmm, maybe I do need to watch this again getting past the uh, <laughs> the hijacking of the plane. 
well, you mentioned the film is campy and a little cheesy, and I think absolutely those are valid points, but I think that's kind of what makes this movie so much fun, is it? there's so much in this film that is ridiculously <laughs> unbelievable, but everyone who does all these ridiculous, unbelievable things are so much yeah. fun to watch while they do it. I mean, this is another film oh, yeah. that has become a bit of a cult classic. I mean, it was a hit in theaters, and it's still like a cult classic. Uh, and I was very surprised, knowing that you're a bit of a, you know, a pretty big science fiction fan, that this was a film that hadn't made it to your screen until now. Because I think Escape from New York, I feel like, is one of those um, rites of passages for any <laughs> yeah, sci-fi fan. It, it, it sits out. in the uh, in the uh, the musts. The that you have to do this one. You have to do um, um, Alien. You have to do <laughs> yeah. any number of them from there. Uh, well, I think when it came out, I didn't go see it when it came out because I think when I saw the previews for it and saw the poster, my thought was, okay, this looks just like a action film that's not going to have a plot. It's going to be very thin, and it nothing, nothing, nothing really struck me as wanting to go see it, and I think it's just kind of stuck with me throughout the years, and that's why I didn't see it until now. <laughs> gotcha. Well, again, your points are valid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm still waiting for you to tell me where where something went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a fairly thin on plot. It's very it's a very simple plot. Right. Let's let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Um, and it is just everything hinges on just the usual action star kind of or action movie kind of thing where your star has to come out on top in the end. But I do want to see it again. So Yeah, no, I, and yeah. I absolutely encourage you to watch it again, f- knowing full well what you're going into. Yeah, yeah I think it was the big thing. I, I wasn't sure what I was getting. And well, I did love the, uh, the Ernest Borgnine character. He was... He is great. <laughs> yeah, almost almost cameo quality yeah. character. I kind of actually forgot how little he's in the film. He kind of shows up in the beginning, yeah. he disappears until the end, and then he's then he dies. <laughs> and, 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 and honestly, with the Ernest Borgnine character, the thing that because uh, I haven't seen this since I was a kid, um, and so watching it again, it was kind of like uh, it was almost like uh, Floyd's experience seeing it for the first time. But the Ernest Borgnine character, the thing that was getting me, uh, that cameo style thing, there was more of a story there. And I kind of wanted to know, like he had been talking about he's been driving this cab for like forever. And he was giving dates that were before they turned it into a prison. So it just makes you think, did did you get trapped on Manhattan when they walled it up? Yeah. I was thinking that too yeah. because I'm, I'm, this is maximum security. The worst of the worst get dumped here, right? And he's First not that cabby. Yeah. What the hell did he do to warrant getting put in on the Manhattan's prison? So yeah, I had to I had to think that he just overslept or something, <laughs> or decided that he was born and raised in Manhattan and he's not and he going wasn't anywhere. Going to leave it. <laughs> And so he just, when they said, hey, you got to go because we're putting in the last brick, he's like, nope, I'm good. I'm just going to drive my cab until I die. 
Although uh, I, I am going to choose this particular moment. They, they said, uh, what, that prison got started in 88, something like that? 88. 88 in the film. And Well, I think they, did, they said in 1988 the... Uh, the crime rate exploded like 400%. Right. And then soon thereafter, they turned so sometime between 88 and 1990, what did I say, 91? Actually, it was 97, 97, I think they said. 97. Sometime between 1988 and 1997, they turned it into the uh, the prison that you that, that we see. Assuming that from 80, uh, assuming it didn't uh, turn into a prison literally the year before, um, where are they all getting their gas for the cars? <laughs> <laughs> they brought up that point. In fact, you actually you actually see it that the brain was responsible for a lot of it. They 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 were talking about before uh, Snake went in there. They were saying they've got cars. They've converted a lot of them to to steam, and we're pretty sure they've even found some 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 gasoline or or they they've got some sort of gas production going on. And when you actually see Brain uh, for the first time in the background. There's an oil der- derrick pumping right. in the back. Okay. So okay. They, they found oil or natural gas or some some sort of fossil fuel that they're using to power their, their vehicles. Okay. So I just uh, I, I missed a little element from there. But uh, that, was, uh, that was striking me. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, think, uh, I think there's an entire Ernest Borgnine movie in there somewhere. <laughs> just to... Figure out how he got into all of this. Yeah, I would love to know more about Cabby. Because I just can't imagine what he could have done <laughs> to warrant being stuck in this and, if and, he was actually a criminal. And I can honestly say I haven't seen the sequel to this movie. But the thing uh, I'm curious about is if that actually bothered to cover why does everybody know who Snake Plissken yeah. is and why they think he's dead? Yes. <laughs> I thought that was... I don't... I don't know. I thought, did I miss something here? I thought, <laughs> no, I, I knew we didn't miss anything, but I was, like, waiting. Uh, I kept waiting and waiting and waiting. I'm like, are we going to get a little backstory? And no, not at all. Why? <laughs> why would you want that? It's just a little bit of the universe that you, you, you form in your own head. Yeah. And, I watched Escape from L.A. once. Yeah. Uh, my memory is it's absolutely awful. <laughs> and includes a horrible, like, green screen uh, surfboard chase out of oh, L.A. I think I remember that from, like, a pre preview or <laughs> something like yes. that. And I've never had any inclination to go back and revisit it. That and why do we keep turning major cities into prisons? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. that is probably the hardest thing to swallow. The idea that the hub of commerce in the United States has been rendered a, a penitentiary. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I've, I find that... A little unbelievable. A little bit. You know, I could see them, you know, walling off a state somewhere in the West or something like that. Yeah, do we really need Colorado? No. You know, that's... <laughs> Oregon. Who who lives in Oregon? Let's just wall that off. <laughs> uh, I have to give this movie credit where credit's due. Uh, because of a film like this, um, 
I'd like to say I and I have no background, so this is all conjecture. But uh, I've been a big lifetime Batman fan, and uh, one of the stories that I really enjoyed uh, was a series called No Man's Land. Um, this takes place after Gotham uh, suffers a major earthquake. The United States has decided, uh, given the crime rate of Gotham and the fact that most of it's been destroyed, that they're just going to cut it off from the rest of the country at this point. And it goes totally into this mode, like the, the city of New York set off like this, where the, everything becomes tribal and... Um, everyone is just there to do their best to survive and congregate and live out however long you can manage. And I have to say, something like that has to have some part in giving a nod to Escape from New York. Yeah, the only thing you can think of, they do mention that you know we are apparently at this time at war with with possibly Russia and China. Uh, I forget the the, the nations. I, I know Russia was involved. I'm I'm thinking China as well. And so there is a possibility that the United States has just found itself completely broke from a war. Maybe there's been a financial collapse, and maybe, frankly, may, maybe Manhattan just isn't worth anything anymore. You know, it's been that bad of a of a crash or or something. Um, so maybe that's why they decided, like, oh, it, it had it has no value anymore. So it's already an island. You know, we can flood the tunnels and and mine the bridges and build a wall. That's my only thought. No, I, I can follow that. Uh, and um, you know, I, I have to give a kudos to Spectre for finally getting uh, Blofeld elected. <laughs> right. It is so funny. Donald Pleasance himself was a little. Hesitant at the idea that how in the world is he the president of the United States to make kind of himself feel better? He sort of he he actually kind of concocted a whole backstory as to how this could have happened. It had something to do with uh, the United States getting in such dire uh, problems that it actually kind of reunites itself with England and becomes part of you know a, a new British Empire kind of thing, and that's how he could. Uh, be president of the United States. He had this all worked out, and he, he talked to John Carpenter about it, and he Carpenter really loved the idea, but it's like it just won't <laughs> fit. I can't. <laughs> so just he says, just go with it. It's okay. <laughs> well, kudos for the uh, the uh, him coming up with the co UK United States government kind of thought. Again, it's one of those things where you want the backstory. You want the prequel. I don't want sequels. I want the prequels that explains how the world got to be in and, this. Yeah, I think that's my biggest fascination. And I think it's probably a lot of people's fascination with this film. It's not what actually unfolds in front of you. It's what's insinuated that happened. <laughs> You're like, yeah. how did we get here? <laughs> I, like... I, you can picture it happening, but you kind of like, I want the meat of how we got to this moment in time. I'm guessing this has to have been told it's in some form or something. I, I probably just don't know about it. There's got to be like graphic novels or something like that, you know, that uh, lead up to this. I, there just has to be because it's just too ripe of a idea, too ripe of a world to just leave. Oh, exactly. 
And, and Carpenter has a, a tendency to these things. Yeah, I don't know even where I'm going with that other than the fact that he's got a greater world in his head and you just don't get to see it. Yeah, that's my my thought. It was like, does, does John Carpenter have like an, a, a manuscript at home that he just wrote for himself and he never bothered to publish that explains how the hell <laughs> we get up to escape to New York? And... And who is Snake Plissken? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who is Snake? Why do we care? Uh, what did he do? Uh, why is he infamous? I I still, I actually really get a kick out of that uh, that gag throughout the movie. Because it has no basis in anything. Because there's no backstory. Everybody knows who he is. Everyone thought he was dead. Okay. I, I think that gag works out really well because... We don't know. Right. And as much as I like to pick on the fact that I kind of want more, I want to know more. I want to know where all this comes from. As this is a movie and you are watching a story, this is no different than you happening upon other people who have things going on in their lives and you just don't have enough information. So you've, you've peered into something that, you don't have the inside joke. You don't have the inside story. So you're only yes. getting this side. And I think maybe Carpenter has a thing for that, that that concept that you, the observer, don't necessarily have all the pieces when you're watching a story from without. We talk about wanting the prequel and everything, but on the other hand, I don't. Because whatever someone else comes up with, I'm worried is just not going to be, you know, if it's not what I think is what happened, <laughs> it's just right. going to disappoint me. <laughs> yeah, write your own fan fiction, read it to your heart's content, and then put it away. Yeah. <laughs> there was a novelization of the movie. Oh, well, sure. That doesn't surprise me at all. And maybe it's possible that the novelization, there would be a, a foreword or something that might you know, gloss over, you know, something that happened or there might be some backstory with some yeah. characters or something. But I was reading on Wikipedia it says that uh it contains uh deleted scenes from the movie including we learn why Snake uh winds up going into prison. Oh, that's true cuz we don't yeah. find out about that either but when we meet him he's in federal yep. custody on his way to the prison we have no idea exactly what his crime was i think it's it's glossed over it's mentioned a couple times about something he tried to rob the uh federal reserve depository yeah there you go which seems like a really big score for someone that looks like <laughs> snake Plissken. again uh, that only leads to more questions <laughs> <laughs> that answers nothing. Yeah, I can't imagine him being the ringleader in that. Maybe he was just involved. Oh. He, he was just he was a henchman. <laughs> Here, the novel gives greater detail on the world than that which these characters live. That alone would make it an interesting read. I might have to see if I can find that. Yeah, now I might have to as well. It might be a. Uh, I wonder if that's still in print. That might be a half-price books, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. treasure hunt. <laughs> yeah. well, Isaac Hayes as the Duke. Uh, I think you needed someone like Isaac Hayes to be that over-the-top 
villain mm-hmm. that they have here. You know, someone that's going to ride around in a Cadillac that's got chandeliers hanging off of the front. <laughs> I, lo- I love the great. chandeliers. That was amazing. <laughs> nice little touch. Who has, you know, found a void and kind of... Uh, you know, filled it by making himself sort of the, you know, well, the Duke, you know, the King, the Emperor of New York. And again, it's one of those things that there's stories there, mm-hmm. isn't there? Because he couldn't have just come out on top right away. No. You know, there had to have been turf wars, or are there other effectively bosses in other parts of the uh, of New York, and we just happen to land in his... Uh, there's so much more. Yeah, I mean, Manhattan's <laughs> huge, so you figure, like, like uh, I was talking about with the way they did it in that 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 Batman series, you got to figure the island has been broken up into individual little sects and tribes. So yeah, so there's there has to be bits of turf war, um, and constant battles for for authority in this uh, area, so that. Those, because I mean, essentially going to this place is a death sentence. There's no resources. <laughs> like I'm unclear on how they eat. I don't. I think that's a question you don't want answered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, like he might be the Duke of New York, but is that really only for like another three months, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> And seeing as how they, because that was the thing, um, it, it had, it, this movie has like nice little elements from all sorts of things. Because there, there were like, they, it is broken up into sex. They've mentioned it outright. Because there are those people that live underground. Um, mm-hmm. And we had to go through the scene where they come out um, because apparently they've run out of food. So now they're in scavenger mode. And that includes right. whoever's in front of them. So yeah, that's what I mean. That's why I'm saying you don't want to. You don't want to ask the question. <laughs> yeah. So, so how is the uh, his little turf uh, <laughs> hanging in there? Uh, probably no surprise at this time in uh, her career that Adrian Barbeau appears. Yes, uh, she was at the time married to John Carpenter. Yes, she's married to the director, but. She's a good actress. I like Adrienne Barbeau when I see her in films. And it's like, that's a little bit of like a nepotism, but I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God that it works out. Because <laughs> it, it would be horrible if she wasn't any good and she just kept showing up. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, because she shows up for other obvious reasons as well. She has attributes that I, I'm sure Carpenter realizes look good on the posters they, yeah <laughs> and gets gets butts in the seat <laughs> yeah i mean you'll never not get a look i really liked actually her um her and brain their relationship you got the impression that they were sort of forced upon each other she was kind of like a gift from the duke mm-hmm. to brain <laughs> but you could tell that she had kind of warmed up to the point of actually being you know she had affection for him he probably actually treated her pretty well and so when brain ends up getting killed she wants a piece of the duke <laughs> oh yeah no absolutely um to to the point i yeah she is uh just beside herself that uh he had 
put himself in a position to actually get killed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because you're supposed um, to be the smart guy. <laughs> God, I'm going to keep going back to this. There's more story there. Right. You know, that's... <laughs> right, no, that, that that's... That's the charm of this, and I think it's why it's such a fan favorite, is it's not what you watched. It's what you had in your head to make it work. Uh, like, you wanted to live... It was all the stories you started telling yourself inside your head to, how did we get here, and who are these people, and why is this happening? That's what yeah, we'll like, get with that mindset. Yeah, like I mean, like you mentioned, it, it took it out of you the 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 whole the crashing of the plane. But I mean, there's an organization at work there that has a huge, massive grievance against the current administration of the United States, and they've got, taken it so far that they're willing to down a plane and die doing it. Do we know anything about what that was about? No. <laughs> no, they just need to have a better spokesperson, though. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> well, she was there because she was a pilot, not because she knew how to speak. Uh, yeah. that's, good, that's a fair point. I will say that you know, for the sensitive viewers among us, uh, having the plane flying what looks like almost mm -hmm. into the World Trade yeah. Center towers is a little... On the nose? Like, wow, yes, this was, yeah, this was a little uh, prescient, wasn't it? Oh, it, yeah. it's a little uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, and it we're is. watching yeah. this a week out from September 11th. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was not my intention to have any kind of uh, significance to that, but... And that was, and this movie is 20 years before. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, you don't see the crash or anything but you see the visuals of the plane kind of flying and it looks like it's kind of flying towards it and then you see it in like sort of uh well an animated it's supposed to be like like a uh computer screen kind of uh simulation simulation yes simulation but it's still a little hmm yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah no i i'll admit uh i'm sitting there watching that scene as it's unfolding and i'm like and because I hadn't seen this since the 80s, I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no, that's not happening, right? Yeah, I'm sure I'd, I had not seen this film post 9-11. So, yeah, it, it's probably been, I was going to say, 90s when I saw this, probably last. Yeah, that's probably fair for me, too, so... But yeah, that that was uh, that was a little rough. <laughs> it, it's both sad and kind of melancholy. Maybe would be the word to use when you see an old film that has the twin towers and such prominence in the New York skyline. Right. There's sort of a melancholiness about seeing that. You're you're like, oh, yeah, you know, and it, but it's still, oh. <laughs> well, yeah, especially since it featured so prominently as the the landing site, the only working elevator in the city. The uh, it, mm -hmm. this is how they get in and out of this place. So, right, yeah, it's not like you could remove it. You couldn't like edit it out of this film or anything. <laughs> it, it it sets an important role. And you know what? And you don't want to. You know? No, no, yeah. it's it, it's. Films are slices of history. You know, they, they are snapshots of our history. 
so it would be wrong to try to you know digitally you know do the Steven Spielberg thing and go and you know, clone them out, right? And, yeah, and and, yeah. and dub some other lines. Oh, you're going to land on New York, you know, yeah. uh, you know, Empire State Building. What? Who? <laughs> <laughs> Watching this film again for the first time, you know, we've all I guess it's been a while. Floyd's never watched it. Tom, like you said, it, you were a kid. I'm sure it was the '90s since I last saw mm. it. I think this film, though, is insanely rewatchable. I have, I would have no problem sitting down and watching this movie again. Oh well, no, absolutely not. Uh, and it's for all the same reasons. Uh, one, I mean, it, it's just a, a fun, cheesy action film. You can't. There, yeah. there is no element of that that you can't enjoy. Um, it has big. It actually has big names in there in big, big roles, and they're fun to watch doing this goofy little movie. But we've, I think, we're really hitting on the thing that really drives this: is there's so much more there, and it's fun to kind of start thinking about. Well, where did that that this world has so much more to offer, and I, I just like putting myself there, going. How did that? Ha- how did we get there? <laughs> I liked this uh, so much to watch this that I'm probably gonna go watch Escape from L.A. again, it, or for the first time, just to have a little taste of Snake Plissken and see if I can edge out anything else. Yeah, I I'll admit that I'm kind of got a more yeah. curiosity to watch it again um just because i remember it being so awful right that it's like well is it or could i have fun with it even though it's bad you know my my taste in movies have changed quite a bit over the last 25 years 30 years whatever it's been since escape from la came out so I might be able to find some enjoyment in it just based on the fact that it's ridiculous. Yes. Yes. No, absolutely. I mean, sometimes that's just fun. So if you can go in knowing you aren't going to love this for the cinematic treasure that it should be, if you can go into it to go, I want to revisit a character that I liked and just see what that was all about again. I think that could be a lot of fun. I read that uh, uh, Kurt Russell actually kept all his clothes, kept his outfit, his Snake Plissken outfit. And when Escape from L.A. came up, he um, he was very happy to discover he could still fit in it all. <laughs> in case you're curious, Escape from L.A. is real easy to watch, too. It's streaming in several places. It's on Netflix. Uh, if you don't have Netflix, you can find it on Tubi if you don't mind watching some ads. I'm trying to remember if there's anything else I really wanted to say about Escape from New, New York, though. I, I'm glad. Uh, Floyd, I think you'll grow to enjoy it oh, if yeah. you watch it again. I'm sure I will. Um, Tom, I'm uh, Tom. I'm thrilled that you enjoyed yes. it uh, as much as you seem to remember enjoying it from when you were a kid. Yeah. I knew it was an enjoyable watch. I still remembered it being an enjoyable watch and I was very happy that memory held true. I did. I had a blast watching this. Um, I think Kurt Russell is amazing in it. 
I think it's the perfect film for him to like shake off all that kid stuff that he did. <laughs> yeah, there, there's nothing more manly than be being the the badass prison break guy in a eye patch. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't know. Is, is there any uh, any any scenes or moments that you guys wanted to to, to bring up and talk about? Um, I, I think the whole movie is just a fantastic scene and moment. So, other than maybe Donald Pleasance in the in the getting his final revenge against the Duke, you, you actually yeah, you actually brought that one up because uh, you were bringing up all of the names the Duke went by, and uh, I was focused on the one where he calls uh like he's the number one and, and you're a number one a, yeah. a, a number one and that scene earlier in the movie when he has him uh chained to a wall chained to the wall and he's using snake's gun to just shoot holes in the wall around him um and, and he's just making him repeat over and over again that he's the duke that he's yeah. a number one and all that and then when if you manage to refresh yourself that this is supposed to be the president of the United States, it's supposed to be a man of stature and dignity and respect. And he gets down in the mud at the end. He stops snake from coming up just so that he can dangle him in front of, (laughs) in front of the Duke so that he can just blow him away. Like, yeah, the notion that um, even a man uh, from a position like that could be brought down to his uh, visceral self. His base self, yeah. yeah. The, 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 the reptile brain can be completely unleashed. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I liked about the uh, the film was with the characters was even the um, the minor characters were quirky. Like, it really stuck out to me when, I don't know the character's name, but it's he's the one who comes out to meet uh, uh, the guys who are coming in to try to find the president, and he meets Hawk, and yeah. he gives him the countdown, and uh, mm-hmm. and he's just really quirky and uh, and you know and it's a relatively small role, but this struck me as wow, this is a uh, got some quirky characters in this. Some of the characters, the the environment that they're in and the personalities that they don and the outfits and everything it's kind of like this is just like like a different version of the warriors <laughs> duke's right hand man uh the one with the hair uh mm-hmm. and the smile uh i think that's who floyd yeah, was talking, talking about, about yeah. i think it's the same yeah. one yeah yeah he, he he with the laugh he yeah. reminds me something right out of mad max yes oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that could definitely be the same universe. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, yeah. This is what's happening. This is what's happening in New York. <laughs> now we know what's happening in Australia yeah. as well. Yeah. We're, we're we're forming our world here. The, this guy was uh, split from uh, his twin at birth, uh, and he had to have been one of the guys uh, that was torturing Mel Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> Well, awesome. Uh, I did not get any real feedback or anything from uh, the social medias. I uh, I got one comment on our Facebook 
um, from uh, Might For Ghetto. He says, I remember thinking Kurt Russell was a badass in this. And he wondered why the president was launching in Mork's egg ship. <laughs> <laughs> that That's a fair point. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a fair question. Uh, and I love uh, uh, that the special effects sequence when uh, they're doing the computer graphics and the, the plane goes down and it essentially poops this thing out that digitally <laughs> falls to the <laughs> yeah. ground. I actually found that to be a really great shortcut to, okay, we can't actually come up with an, an, an effective crash of a plane, so we're going to see it all in simulated form on a computer screen. I thought that was really clever. Very smart. I love that. That is a great low-budget way to get around something and still feel the impact of what just happened. They also, speaking of special effects, uh, there's the shot where the helicopter is flying overhead the city, and he's it's supposed to be him looking down through a graphics display. They can't really afford to do those kind of graphics. So that was like an actual scale model with really? like, uh, luminescent <laughs> tape to look like all the grid That's lines. That's actually really cool. I, I'm afraid I did not have a chance to look up any uh, reviews or anything. Uh, my day-to-day, I usually do like kind of like the last day just before, and uh, today just ended up being a little bit uh, too much on the schedule. So I didn't get a chance to go back and find any reviews or anything, unfortunately. We will have to attend. I, I actually think that's a, a, that's a fun little a, a addition, so we should uh, we'll, we'll look to do more of that. I will assist. I'll, I'll endeavor to do that um, not the day of recording, <laughs> so I actually have time to do it. I looked in my little uh, blockbuster entertainment guide to the movies, and it, that review is more or less just a real brief plot synopsis and then saying, you know, exciting, fun, cult classic starring Kurt Russell. Go oh, well, thanks. Yeah, that's, that's in-depth. <laughs> yes. That, that, that took you how long to write that? <laughs> I was just uh, did a quick Google. I got a, uh, a review from 1981 from the New York Times. Uh, just one paragraph uh, stands out. Escape from New York is not to be analyzed too solemnly, though. It's a toughly told, very tall tale and one of the best escape and escapist movies of the season. So there you go. I, you know what? For you finding that on the short, uh, that actually is a, a fairly concise uh, review. I mean, don't don't overthink it. That was Vincent Canby of the New York Times in 1981. So, yeah, I think that is pretty much all you really needed right there. <laughs> and thank you for the thank you for review for the term escapist. Yeah, <laughs> that's what this film is for sure, is just escapism, pure and yes. simple. I, I just love, love, love how much more you could just pour yourself into it. It, it is. It's an empty <laughs> vessel. It, it's a pretty. It's a pretty glass. It's a beer stein of a movie. It's <laughs> it's beautiful in what it is, but there's so much more that can be added. And I can't come up with a better analogy than that. I think you came up with more analogies than you needed. Probably. Tom emptied that beer stein before he started. Uh... <laughs> putting thoughts about escape from new york into it hey don't ruin it man i thought that was beautiful and you know yeah, it. we can't actually see his desktop so we have no idea <laughs> but i definitely think that's a good sign that this is where we should probably put this one to bed <laughs> so floyd uh thank you for watching it i hope you do rewatch this yes, at I some will. point i hope i i hope you enjoy it a little bit more um i'm sure i will i, I 
I appreciate you watching it uh, this time and watching it for us and for the show. That was that's that's awesome. Yes. And thank you for joining us for this little oh. uh, Kurt Russell series of films. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks it, for having me. It was, it was fun. We probably should have gone the opposite direction and started with this one, maybe, and then got you know <laughs> later gone through his as he got older in the career instead of going backwards. But I don't know. It was still a lot of. I fun. don't know that I wanted to wanted to end on Soldier. Yeah, maybe true. <laughs> But that is going to do it. If anyone else has any comments or thoughts, go ahead and drop us a line at timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com or come to the Facebook group and join us there. It would be awesome to hear from you. Until we come back next time. Oh, we probably know what we're going to talk about next time, don't we? We're coming into Halloween, are we not? We're coming into this uh, October season. We're getting to the October season, but we have a film before that. We do. I don't remember what it is. So I guess it's going to be a surprise for everyone in a couple it weeks. It absolutely will be. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's on, it's well, on our spreadsheet of doom somewhere. <laughs> so I hope it won't be a surprise to you guys when you record. It, it is going to be a surprise <laughs> to us. Anyway, we'll be back in a couple weeks with whatever film that is. Thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you then. Bye, everybody. See ya. Bye.